Good morning. Am I on now? All right. Welcome, everyone, to City Reach. I'm Kristen. It's been a long while since I've been up here. I'm this man's better half, or other half, I should say. You're my best half. Of course. It is Christmas. He's being kind. Do we have any visitors here today, though? I don't see any. It's all homegrown people. Yay. Glad you all are here. Welcome. Now we can see everybody. So we do have announcements this morning. This week is a busy week. We are doing our food box giveaway Wednesday. It's from 5 to 7 plus a hot meal. So if you know anybody, send them our way. We will be packing the boxes earlier that day. I'm not exactly what time. Autumn, do you have a time for that? Let's just say noonish. We'll post something on Facebook. And um, so please come, help us pack a box, and then hand out boxes, and then also join us for a meal. We also are having our connections group that evening, so that will be at 7 o'clock after the meal. So we're going to hang out, get to know each other even better. What else? You're supposed to memorize this. I know, but I didn't. I'm sorry. Hey, wow, that's loud. This is like the reverb one. How many kids are here? Any kids? Okay. Any kids? Do any kids want a puppy for Christmas? I want to see your... Oh! <laughs> Wait, there's more kids that want a puppy than there are kids that are here. That's amazing. I want to... Can I give you a little hint how to get a puppy for Christmas? Yes. Please. <laughs> Please. Grayson is up on so the if you don't, if you want my dogs, you can have them. They're free. <laughs> But here's a surefire way to get a puppy for Christmas. You ready for this? Ask mom and dad for a little brother. <laughs> you ask for a little brother, I guarantee you'll get a puppy. Very true. Very true. One. That was pretty good. <laughs> what else? Did you, you, have know, you know, I asked Kristen what she wanted for Christmas. What? I asked Kristen what she wanted for Christmas. All I want is you. Oh, that's not what you told me. <laughs> what was it? What did I tell you? You said... I want nothing more than a diamond necklace. And that's exactly what I got you, nothing. Because you want to know. You're on a roll. All right. The, this is why Phil does announcements, not me. Yes. This all is right, why we're go. not allowed up here together. Also, so all those little kids out there, we need help with our children's department. So if you are interested in serving in nursery, toddlers, probably even children's church in the future, let us know. You can connect with one of the team members at the Connections, or even go downstairs and visit the toddler's room in the nursery. Both of our uh, people that are supervising are down there today, and sign up with them. We would love to have you. And I think that's it. Okay, great. Well, hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, it's, no, what, you guys, it's Christmas this week, you know that? Amen. Yeah, so next week's, next week's technically our Christmas Sunday, but hey, Christmas is on its way. We're excited about it. Hey, what, what a, what, there's really no better time to celebrate and uh, rejoice about the birth of Jesus. Uh, we also have an opportunity now, we're going to take up our offering, and, you know, as always, we never want you to feel that you're ever under pressure to give, and we don't believe that we give to get God to do something. However, it's true in Scripture that it does say that give and it will be given to you so although we don't give to try to get God to to bless us because he already has blessed us the truth is that when we give there will be a harvest that he will uh, return back to you that he will bless your finances that he'll protect them and 
and do all those good things. So it says in the book of Luke, it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, uh, will men give into your bosom. For the same measure that you give, it will be given back to you. So that's my prayer for you as you get your offering together today and as you um, give out of faith and as you give out of love, that God would take what you give, that he would multiply it and uh, 100 times uh, give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So if you have your offering, hold it out. We're going to pray over it. Father, we just thank you so much today for the opportunity to give back to you what, what already belongs to you. And Lord, we do it because we love you, because you first loved us. And so, Jesus, we honor you today. We love you today. We're excited to celebrate your birth that took place just a couple thousand years ago. But Father, you had this in your heart for eternity. Lord, we just love you. We celebrate all that you're going to do today. We bless the name of Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, City Reach. Is everybody out there? Boy, I'll tell you what, this is a lively crowd, isn't it, Fred? Hey, this is time to be joyful. Rejoice. The greatest gift that was ever given to mankind was prophesied by Isaiah. If you have your Bible and you would like to turn there, it's Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. You know, and what's strange about Isaiah? He prophesied the birth of Christ 715 years before Christ actually appeared. And so he knew of a promise but he didn't get to see the promise. Well, folks, we saw the promise. We have the promise. He is present in everything we do, everywhere we are. He is our great helper. He is our sustainer, a provider. He's our peace, and he's our joy. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, we thank you for your promises and we thank you that unlike Isaiah, we have seen the glory of the Lord through your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, we rejoice today as we look forward for this wonderful time, blessed, blessed time for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, if you would stand, please. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. 
Remember Christ our Savior, born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power. We were gone astray, oh, tidings of comfort, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceed, guide us to thy birth. God rest ye, Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, born upon this day, to save us all from Satan's power, be gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort. Oh, come all ye faith, joyful and triumph. Oh, come ye, come to Shall come to thee, O 
Tribes on Sinai's high and name give the law and crowd and majesty and all rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come.
the encounter and I am so grateful for that encounter that I had in that church in that basement because that is the day that I was saved and I was set free that is the day that I became new that is the day that I no longer had to feel alone that is the day 
that I met my best friend, somebody who will never leave me or forsake me. I just ask if there's anybody here today that has not had that encounter, that he is right here, he has never left, he is ready for you. All he is waiting for is you just to reach out and give him your heart and I'm telling you now, I couldn't imagine going through some of the trials I've been through without him on my side, that peace he gave me. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for that encounter, God. And Lord, I just speak over this church that if there's anybody here today, Lord, that wants to meet you, that they just lift their hands to you and just surrender, God. And when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. And you picked up all my pieces, put me back together. broken you're not too far gone for his love for him to defend you just know that you're not too far gone he's ready to pick you up he's ready to walk beside you and you are worthy of it no matter what the world tells you day that, that Jesus died on the cross, he was saying that you're worth it. When I thought I lost me, you knew
my mother's womb. You formed me with your hands, known and loved by you. Before I took a breath, when I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. You make all things work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together. beyond the clouds though I've walked through fire I see clearly now I know nothing has been wasted no failure or or not and you make all things Work together for my future. Work 
with me yet. Father, I'm not yet there, but I have a destiny. You know what your destiny is? And I don't mean what you're going to do in your profession. I don't mean who you're going to marry, but listen to this. Here's where this, here's where this song was taken from. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen to this next verse. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Here's what that's saying. No matter what you mess up, God's going to take it and work it out for good. If it's not good yet, it's not done. And he says that whom he foreknew. And well, you know what that means? It means that God knew what you were going to do before you did it. God knew you were going to screw up. God knew you were going to make a bad decision. God knew you were going to be in a train wreck. But here's what he also knew. He said, I knew it, but I predestined you to be conformed to the image of my son Jesus. And no matter how many times you mess up, your destiny is to look like Jesus. And I'm going to do everything I can do to continue to work things out so that when you're at the end of your life, you're going to look more like Jesus when you die than you do today. So if somebody ever says, what's your destiny? You tell them, my destiny is to look like Jesus. 
because the Father declared it. Not because I think that, but because his word says so. He knew it, but he also predestined me to look like Jesus so that Jesus could become the firstborn of many brethren, which means that the model that Jesus was on earth, he was the first, and we follow in his path. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father. We lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, without Jesus, that gift of your son Jesus, because you loved us so much, we'd have nothing. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that no matter how many times we stray, no matter how many bad decisions we make, your destiny, you charted us on a course to look like Jesus. And you're going to take every bad thing and redeem it for good and use it for your glory. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's get some lights in the house so I can see these bright, shining faces. Mmm. There we go. Anybody have a favorite Christmas movie? Does anybody ever watch movies? Christmas Vacation! National Lampoons! The Polar Express! The Polar Express! Oh, my wife called my... Oh, Home Alone! I'd rather pluck my eye out than watch Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, I'd have to have three eyeballs to pluck that out three times. Elf. Elf. Die, hard. die Hard. Die Hard with the Vengeance. Some of you weren't born when Die Hard came out. It's not really a Christmas movie. My favorite movie, it's, it's fairly new, Four Christmases. Anybody ever seen Four Christmases? Yeah, if you, if you have in-laws, you'll understand Four Christmases. Now, this couple, they had, they had I guess their parents had got divorced, remarried, so instead of, instead of two sets of parents, they had four, and of course, they'd go to each of their homes, and it, it's, just a, it's just a train wreck of a family, and, and very funny, very funny. I'm sure all of us see things, but you remember the word they would say when they got in the midst of something, and they're like, we're done. Mistletoe. Mistletoe. If you haven't watched that movie, you've got to watch it. Matter of fact, I, I, I was thinking about titling the message today, Four Christmases, but I didn't know if there'd be like copyright infringements or not, so, so I didn't. So I had to call it something super spiritual like Faith at Christmas, but, you know, so, so be it. You know, Christmas of all times is really a time when, when we think about miracles, right? We think about the miraculous. The greatest miracle that ever happened, in my opinion, is the virgin birth of Jesus. And apart from the virgin birth, we wouldn't be able to be saved today. Because had Jesus not came in the form of man, sinless, and paid for our sin, we wouldn't be able to be saved. And so when we think of Christmas, really faith 
has to come into play. And so we talk, you know, you see, you see like the script, the word believe, you know, people put up around Christmas time. But really Christmas is a time uh, to really have your faith energized. My gosh, the lights just came on here. Something, maybe I walked into it. Needs, anybody got any like SPF 30 for me? I was in, uh, when we were in uh, Uganda a few weeks ago, the, the, the crowd grew, so we had to move outside under the sun. And, uh, of course, everybody's sitting under tents. I'm out in the sun. And, and I, I told the crowd, of course, there's, there's about maybe 700 uh, Ugandans there. I said, if you guys didn't notice, I'm, I'm white. And by the end of today, if I don't get some shade, I actually turn colors, I'll be red. And, uh, but fortunately, they got me a, they got me a tent. Uh, so I didn't get burnt too bad, but it kind of feels like that up here today. But, hey, I'm excited. Today, so today we're going to talk about faith at Christmas, or faith, I really like faith for Christmas. Um, we could call it either. And one of the greatest enemies of faith is fear. The thing is, is you don't have to allow fear to control your life. So if you think about the story, if you remember the story where Jesus uh, told the disciples, he says, let's go to the other side. And, and they get in a boat, and it said a storm came, and Jesus was in the boat, and what was he doing? He was asleep. It says he was sleeping on a pillow. And the disciples saw this storm. They got very scared. They, they shook him. They're like, Jesus! Do you don't care that we're perishing? We're dying here. And of course, Jesus stands up. Peace be still. Says the waves stop, the wind stop. And he says, why are you so fearful? Why do you have no faith? And so that fear, when fear is allowed to enter in, fear can short-circuit your faith. I don't think it was that they didn't have any faith because they had to have faith to get in the boat when he said, let's go to the other side. And if you, if you look in Matthew's version, I heard a reminder there. If you look in Matthew's version, Matthew says a little different. He says, why were you fearful and why did you have little faith? And sometimes when we think of having little faith, we think it's faith in small quantity. But that, I don't think that's what Jesus was saying here, because in other places Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a what? Mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will do what you say. So it's not about the size of your faith. So I don't think when he's saying, oh, you have little faith, it was because they had short or, or a small amount of faith. The word little faith is actually two words in the Greek. Uh, small faith or little faith, it comes from the word oligos in the Greek, which means small in size, light in intensity, or short in duration. And I think in context, when Jesus says, oh you, or why did you have little faith, it wasn't that they didn't have faith, it was their faith didn't stay at play long enough, that it was short in duration. And see, what happens sometimes is we can get in the boat, we can start going to the other side, the storm comes up, fear arises, and the faith that we started out with now becomes short in duration. It becomes little faith, or actually no faith. 
And so what happens is, is when you hit a storm in life, you have to be grounded in the Word so that what you see doesn't affect what you believe. Because here's what I know. When the Bible says, do not be afraid, or it says, fear not, it doesn't mean that you're never going to feel the feeling of fear. Did you ever face something and it happened so quick that you're overtaken by fear? For me, it's when my alarm went off, my burglar alarm in the middle of the night, and I was so paralyzed, I said, Kristen, go check it out. Like, I'm like the woman in the marriage, you know? I actually sleep on the opposite side of the bed from the door for that very reason. Hey, baby, go check that noise out. You're closer. But see, we can let fear enter into the situation. So here's what happens is, to be not afraid or to fear not doesn't mean that you're never going to feel the feeling of fear. It's that you choose to not allow fear to have influence and dominate your life. So there's a difference. You might feel scared. You might feel adrenaline. But now you have a choice. Do I allow the fear that I feel to have access to move me into a direction away from what God said, or do I say, no, I'm not given a spirit of fear. I'm given a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, and I'm going to believe what I know God's Word says. And that's the difference. Let's go back to slide one. Did we put that up there? The fear not doesn't mean that you'll never experience the feeling of fear, but rather you deny fear a place of influence in your life. So what I want to look at today, when we talk about four Christmases, there's four instances in the Christmas story, and we're going to have to look at them fast. So everybody do this. Now everybody do this. And put your seatbelts on, because we're going to go pretty fast. Are you guys ready? All right, so four times. So in the Bible, I think it's, I've never counted these, so I'm going to quote this, but if you fact check me and I'm wrong, uh, I don't really care. Uh, people say that the word fear not is in the Bible 365 times, one for every day of the year. I don't know if it's true, because uh, I've not counted them. But what I do know, if something's in the Bible twice, and it's highlighted twice, it's important. And if something's in there 300 plus times, guess what? Very important. So when the Bible says to fear not, there's a reason it says to fear not, because, because there's something at stake. And in the Christmas story, an angel appears to four different people. He appears to, to uh, Zacharias first, he appears to Mary second, he appears to Joseph third, and the angels fourth. All four people, or even the shepherds, groups of people, he says this, fear not for, there's the four in the four Christmases, fear not for, and he gives them a reason to fear not. And he says, to, he says to Zacharias, fear not, for your prayer is heard. To Mary, uh, when, he, when he appears to Mary, he says, fear not, for you have found favor with God. When he appears to Joseph, he says, fear not, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And when he appears to the angels, he says, fear not, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day a Savior. And those are the four fear nots I want to talk about, but I want to do it from a position of faith, that there is three or four words of truth 
right following the fear not that will help you in your walk to stand against when you feel that feeling of fear. That I can say, I'm not going to fear because God's word says this. You guys ready? All right, so if you, wanna, if you have your Bible, I'm going to have them up on top. But we're going to look at four different things. So we're going to be in Luke 1 to start with. And then we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to go back to Luke 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read these, and I'm just going to make one, uh, just a few minute point for each one. And if I get on a tangent, we might just preach one point today, I don't know. So Luke chapter 1, the story of Zacharias, and the point here, let's go back, what's the point? Your, God hears your prayers. Let's go back one slide. We go back a slide. All right, anyway, point number one, God hears your prayers. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest by the name Zacharias, the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and what happened? Fear fell upon him. We're going to go ahead of slide. Oh, there we go. It says, when Zacharias saw him, he said he was troubled and fear fell upon him. So here's what happens. You are immediately faced with something, and what's the first response? Fear. You cannot really stop the feeling of fear, but you can stop what happens after that. And the angel says this. He says, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Everybody say that. My prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. So here's what happens. So it was Zacharias's time, and it was his, his lot came up that he was to go in and burn incense. And when he goes in there at the hour of prayer, he goes to burn incense, and standing there at the right side of the altar is the angel of the Lord. And he is scared. And he says, now, now, Think about what it said earlier. It said Zacharias and his wife, they were righteous people. They were good people. But it says they were also what? Or she was barren. They had no children. Now, if you read the Old Testament, barrenness or not being able to have kids is part of the curse. God said to the children of Israel, if you do all these things, I will not put this curse of barrenness on you. And so there was times in the Bible where God restored people who were barren. And so here's Zacharias, he's a priest, and the angel says, fear not, for your prayer is heard. Now, probably he was not praying a prayer at that time in his life for a baby, because he was old. His wife was barren. They were beyond the years of having children. But there was probably a time in his, not probably, there was a time in his life when that was his prayer. He was praying, Father, give us a baby. Father, give us a baby. Father, heal my wife. Take away her barrenness. 
And he probably spent hours and hours and days and months and years. And they probably prayed together. And now they're old. And guess what? No baby. I want to encourage you with this. If you've been praying something for something for a long time, and you haven't seen it come to pass yet, fear not, for your prayer is heard. See, we can get to a point where we've prayed for something so long and we haven't seen the manifestation of it, that we begin to, the, the whispers of the enemy become more real than the truth of God's word. And, and the time, from the time I started praying it, so much time has gone by, I would imagine that, that Zacharias gave up on the prayer. What's also interesting, you know what Zacharias means? His name means Jehovah remembers. Fear not, Jehovah remembers. Your prayer is heard. What happens after so long, we wonder, maybe God doesn't even hear my prayers. Maybe God's forgotten about my prayers. Maybe the thing I was believing for is just never going to happen. And what do we do? We give up. But I want to encourage you to stay with it. Because God hears your prayers. Remember Daniel? Anybody remember Daniel? Book of Daniel? You remember in Daniel chapter 9, it says Daniel set out, he sought the Lord for, for, for some understanding. And Gabriel, okay, the same angel, Gabriel, it said, uh, Daniel records this in Daniel chapter 9, he says, as I was praying, the man Daniel that I saw in the vision appeared to me and said, I've come to give you understanding. So here's Daniel, he's praying, and while he's praying, Gabriel shows up. Now who doesn't want that kind of response? That's the prayer I want to pray. But that's probably not the norm. See, if every time we prayed for something, if the, if the result immediately happened in the natural realm, who wouldn't get on that bus? Right? If every time I prayed, if every time Drew prayed, if every time Kristen prayed, if every time Pastor Jay prayed, every time you prayed, it happened right away, who wouldn't sign up? How much faith would that take? Eventually, we'd begin to trust in ourselves and not in God. See, sometimes there's, a, there's an instantaneous prayer result, and sometimes, probably more times than not, there isn't. If you flip to Daniel chapter 10, it says Daniel set out to pray and fast and confess his sin before God, and it said that 21 days later, Gabriel shows up again. And here's what's interesting that he says to him. He says, Daniel, from the moment and the very first day that you prayed, I was sent. But the prince of the, per of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, and I had to call on Michael, the archangel, archangel, to come help me defeat him. But he said, I was sent the day the prayer first left your lips, but I'm showing up 21 days later. See, what if he'd have quit praying on day 14? Day 15, day 16. See, sometimes the reason there's a delay in prayer is because there's demonic influence. There's interference that you can't see. But don't give up. 
Sometimes there's no demonic influence. It could be, you could be like Zacharias. You could be praying. You could be, be standing on a promise of God. I've got a promise of God that says there's no barrenness. That's part of the curse. The reality is my wife's barren. I'm beyond the age of kids, and she's beyond the age of kids. Here's what God showed me this week. I really doubt that Zacharias was praying for John the Baptist. They were praying for a baby. I really doubt, and I can't prove it because it's not in the Bible, but I doubt that he and Elizabeth got together and said, Abba Father, please allow us to birth the forerunner of Jesus. Please allow us to give birth to John the Baptist. No. They were praying for what? A baby. I mean, I'm not picky. He probably wasn't picky. Give me a boy. Give me a girl. I don't care. Give me a kid. But see, sometimes there's a delay in prayer because the answer God wants to give you is way better than what you're praying for. They were praying for a baby, but God was thinking John the Baptist. If you're not receiving what you're praying for, stay in there. Don't let your faith be short in duration. Because maybe, just maybe, you're praying for a baby. I didn't mean to rhyme that. You're praying for a baby, but God's thinking he wants to give you a John the Baptist. Maybe there's other things at play that weave into your story that you don't know about. They didn't know that they were going to give birth to John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Jesus, who would need to be born six months after, after John. There's other things at play that God's bringing together. Remember, he works all things what? Together for good. Your prayer is heard. Number one. Number two. Oh, probably I want to give you a verse in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in what? Ourselves? Who are we confident in when we pray? Jesus. This is the confidence. Don't have confidence in my... If I pray for you, do not have confidence in my prayer. You have confidence in Jesus. I don't care who prays for you. This is the confidence that we have in him. That he, what? If we ask anything according to what? His will, he hears us. And if he hears us, We'll have the petitions we asked of him. So anytime you ask something according to the will of God, know this, God hears my prayer. And if he hears my prayer, he will answer my prayer. The key there, according to the will of God. You're like, what if I don't know the will of God? A, you can get in your Bible and find out what God's will is. Or B, you can pray in the Spirit, because it says the Spirit makes utterance according to the will of God for us. Either way. If I don't know what to pray... I pray in the Spirit. If I know what to pray, I pray God's Word. Or if somebody gives me a prophetic word, and it, it sounds legit. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears our prayer. Number two. Next slide. You are favored and accepted by God. And I love this one. Because a lot of people love to fake this verse. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. 
How you Oh, blessed and highly favored the Lord. <laughs> Anybody ever hear that one? Yeah, where people come up to you. I missed, I missed a joke there, sorry. Or people come up and say, oh, you're blessed and highly favored. Well, I, I want you to be confident in that. You are blessed and highly favored. But this is something that the angel spoke to Mary, but it also applies to us. So let's read this in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look over at verse, uh, let's see, start at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, Nazareth, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So that's where that comes from. People say, well, I'm blessed and highly favored. It comes from that verse. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. So here's the angel, and he comes up and he says, <laughs> the King James says, hail, but I always get a joke out of that because it's not, uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, rejoice. Um, he says, highly favored one, the Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. And it says when the angel said that to her, it troubled her. And I guarantee there's some people in here today, if I said to you that you're favored by God, it would bother you. Because you don't see yourself that way. You don't see yourself the way God sees you. And when the angel said it, it says that Mary was troubled at his saying, considered what manner of greeting this was. Like, what is this? This really bothers me. Why would he say that to me? Who am I? See, the first lie the enemy wants you to believe is that God's not listening. But another lie he wants you to believe is you're worthless. And God thinks differently. It says, when she saw him, she was troubled, saying, consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Imagine this. Mary's living in a no-name town called Cumberland, Maryland. I mean Nazareth, I'm, Israel, I'm sorry. She's living in Nazareth. She's a teenager. She's engaged to a carpenter, a working man. And the Bible doesn't record anything special about her. Now, I get that religion has said she's, she was sinless, which she wasn't, because the Bible has said that for all had sinned. So I'm sorry if that steps on your toes. Mary was not sinless. The reason she had to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit was sinless. But we make up all these stories about Mary, but she was nothing special other than she was a young girl in a no-name town with no pedigree at all. You see, if God was looking for pedigree to bring forth Jesus, he would have picked Elizabeth. If you remember what we just read, it said Elizabeth was a descendant of the high priest Aaron. She had priesthood blood running through her. She was married to a priest. Mary's married to, engaged to a carpenter. And it said that, that 
Elizabeth was righteous in everything she did. So the Bible records all these things about Elizabeth, literally says nothing about Mary. And then the angel appears to her and says, Greetings, highly favored one. God is with you. You're blessed among women. And she's probably thinking, I'm a nobody. I'm from a nowhere town in the middle of nowhere. I've never done anything significant for God. I'm not even engaged to a high-profile guy. Why me? See, sometimes God chooses the base things of the earth to confound the wise. He chooses the weak to confound the strong. And God, throughout eternity, looks upon millions and millions of women and lands on Mary, who really had nothing special recorded about her, and says, she's the one that I want to manifest my glory through. And that's the same for you. It's the same for you. That God looked throughout all of eternity, now among billions upon billions of people, and he selected each and every one of you for a special purpose, that his glory can be manifested through. But if you allow the lie of the enemy, which says, you've never done anything for God, you're not worthy, you're from the middle of nowhere, you're from the sticks, you're from a bad uh, lineage of marriages, whatever it is, they're all lies. They're all lies. See, the same word that the, the angel spoke to Mary, the apostle Paul speaks to us through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Only used twice in the entire New Testament. When the angel says, rejoice, highly favored one, it's the exact same word that the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, whereby he has made us accepted in the beloved. See that? The grace of God decides to manifest his glory through you because he's made you accepted. Who's the beloved? It's got a capital B. I'll give you a hint. Who is it? All right. Did you guys put your seatbelts on too tight? If the word beloved has a capital B, it's Jesus, okay? Oh, the verse isn't up there. That's why you're looking at me. Okay. Here we go. Okay, now you're... Okay, here we go. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us, what? Accepted. Highly favored. Where are we highly favored at? Oh, look what I did. Look at me. I'm highly favored. No. My status of being highly favored is where? In Christ. So it doesn't matter what you've never done. It doesn't matter where you were born, what your history was, who you related to, what you did or didn't do. Your acceptance and your favor is not based on you. So the question is not, when you say, I'm highly favored, the question is not, how highly favored am I? Right? It's like saying, how high is up? The question you need to answer in your, in your head is, how highly favored is Jesus? How highly favored is Jesus? How accepted is Jesus? How loved is the beloved? Whatever Jesus is accepted, that, that establishes my acceptances. 
However favored Jesus was, that establishes my favor. So don't listen to the enemy. See, Paul says this, he says, faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing comes by what? The Word of God. See, so often, the reason I want to keep repeating things to you, it says faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. So you might have heard something 10 years ago, but you forgot it. And the way that you stay in faith is to continue hearing what God's saying. And what God's saying today is that you're favored and you're accepted. See, fear comes the same way. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing the word that's opposed to God. It's called a what? Fib, a lie, prevarication. I don't care. You call it whatever you want to call it. I call it a lie. It's what the enemy tells. All right, number three. Next slide. All right, here's a good one. We're going to have to wrap up because, like, the best one is last. You guys getting anything today? Anybody getting their face stirred up? What are we going to do to fear when fear hits us? Devil, God heard my prayer. Devil, I'm worthy because Jesus is worthy and I'm in him. Here's the next one. So in Matthew chapter 1, Gabriel appears to Joseph in a dream. And the thing I want you to get here is what you can't see is a greater reality than what you can see when the Holy Spirit conceives it. When something is conceived in the spirit realm by God, that thing is greater than what you can see. Now, there's also things in the spirit realm that aren't conceived by God. But when God conceives it, even though you can't see it, it's a greater reality. Listen to what he says to Joseph. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to have to hurry up. I'm getting excited. The problem was I had three weeks to think about this. All right. Uh, Kristen says true. What verse are we going to start in? 18. All right, so verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and before they came together, she was found with child, say this, of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. All right, Joseph's a good dude. He's an honorable man. He's a just man. And it says that, okay, I'm engaged to Mary. She came to me and said, Joe, I'm pregnant, but it's from the Holy Spirit. And imagine, he's probably like, eh, I don't know about all that. It was like the time Chris and I had this lady, she wanted us to pray for her. And she said, lay your hands on my belly. I've got twins in here. I was like, okay. And like, just through the course of conversation, so you married? She goes, oh no, the Holy Spirit impregnated me. I was like, you know, take my hands off as babies, you know. Weird, weird, weird stuff. But this was legit. This is a true story. And this, this is a true story. Yeah. That was taking some of these scriptures too literal, I think. No, you can't, you can't take scripture too literal. It's, it's God's word. Uh, but think about it. It says that as Joseph thought on these things, he was troubled, and he said, you know what? I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to do the right thing. 
I don't want to publicly disgrace. I don't want to humiliate. I don't want to put Mary to shame, even though, according to the law, she deserves death. She's going to be stoned. They're going to humiliate her. I don't want her to go through that. I love her so much, I'm going to put her away. I'm going to divorce her secretly so that she doesn't have to go through public humiliations. Say, that's so nice. Is that nice? That's nice, but that's not God's will. See, sometimes when we don't discern the origin of something, we can do the right thing, and that right thing, taking the high road, leads us down a road that's not the will of God. Did you hear that? Sometimes the right thing can become the wrong thing when I don't discern the spirit the, the spirit that conceived the thing that I can't see. Joseph was doing the right thing by all natural uh, reasoning. Mary's pregnant. Obviously, she's a little crazy because the Holy Spirit wouldn't impregnate her. It had to be another dude. I love her. I'm going to put her away. I'm going to take the high road. But the high road wasn't God's road. And the Holy Spirit, by shows up through an angel in a dream and says, Joseph, fear not to take Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is what? Of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you if you're saved today? Give me a hand if you're saved. You've made Jesus Lord of your life. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, there's something in you that's conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born of water and born of the Spirit. So that when you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit does a work in you and takes the old you that dies and puts a new you in you. And see, sometimes we don't... And I talked about this a few weeks ago when I talked about the new you. We don't recognize the new you that's in you. See, it's hard enough to see it in somebody else. Because what I see, oh, I see that adulterer over there. Well, that adulterer just happens to have something in him conceived by the Holy Spirit. I see that drug addict. Well, that drug addict isn't a drug addict because they've been made new on the inside. Oh, she's just a bunch of lying. She just tells a bunch of lies. Sack of Santa Claus cookies. She's not a liar because if she's been made new by Jesus, she's got something birthed of the Holy Spirit in her. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that we walk by faith, not by what? sight that the way I live the way I walk is not by what I see appearances are not the way I walk I walk by the word of God a little bit later in that chapter it says this it says for I no longer uh, look at people based on what I can see because there was a time that I regarded Christ that way after the flesh but no more that's verse 16 and what Paul's saying he said that I don't see people the way I see people anymore what I see on the outside is not what I see because there was a time that I, I saw Jesus face to face and I discerned him in the flesh. But he ain't in the flesh anymore. He's in the spirit. 
And if I'm going to see people, I don't see them the way other people see them. I see them based on the new creation that's in them. The problem is, he says, I no longer regard any man after the flesh. You are in any man. The problem's not so much. It's hard enough to see other people, but you got to see yourself the way God sees you. Because in you is a new creation. In you is something birthed, conceived of the Holy Spirit. And when God puts his seed in you, it's like your DNA. You can't change it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, it says this. It says, whoever is born of God does not sin because his seed, his sperm, remains in him. And when God conceived in you, he put his DNA in you. And you got the DNA of God on the inside of you. So don't ever let the devil talk you out of who you are and what Christ has made you to be. All right, where were we? All right. Let's get, we're going to wind down, because here's the best one. The last one. Your prayers are heard, right? God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. God favors you. The reality that you can't see is more real than the one you can when God conceives it. Here's the last one. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. Say this. The gospel, the good news, of Jesus Christ is for me. Let's read this. Luke chapter 2. Okay. Verse 8. <clears throat> the next week will be more of a fruit-fruit Christmas sermon. All right? We want to get our faith stirred up today. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by what? Well, are you guys sleeping with the shepherds? Now there were in the same countries, I, gave it, I hear I even got it highlighted. Living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock. By night, this is important. There's a little hidden nugget here. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord did what? Shone. Where were they? They were keeping their flocks by night, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were what? Don't be afraid of the glory of God, because it will change your life. Then the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid. Here's our fourth four. For, behold, I bring you good tidings. Now that word good tidings is the same word that translated to verb. It means to preach the gospel. So that the angel is literally preaching the gospel. He says, I'm giving you good news. This day that's of great joy, which will be to the Israelites. 
Who is the gospel of Jesus Christ for? Me. Say me. It's for all people. Are you all people? That includes you. This is good news for you today. It says, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Say this. A Savior was born for me. A Savior named Jesus Christ. Let's say this. A Savior named Jesus Christ was born for me. It's the greatest gift that was ever given. That God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, are you a whosoever? Believes in him should not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. The shepherds were watching their flocks by night. The glory of the Lord. Oh, now we need the light effects. Shown. The enemy wants you to stay in the dark. Because the light will transform your life. See, the lie is, well, if I go in the light, God's going to expose everything I ever did. There it is. I got a great lights team back there. See, God doesn't want to expose you and shame you. He wants to change you. And you, as long as you stay in the dark, you're going to stay the same. And when you do like the shepherds did, he says, Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I think I have it up there. It says, If our gospel is hid... It's hid to those who are perishing. Let's go to the next slide. If our gospel is hid, it is hid to those that are perishing. Whose mind the God, little g, of this world has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ should do what? Shine unto them. See, the gospel of Jesus, that he was born, it's for you. But when you stay in the dark, you stay the same. And Jesus says, if you'll come into the light of my word, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag your name through the mud. I'm going to change you, and I'm going to come live in you. See, Jesus is our Savior. We all need a Savior. Savior means a deliverer, somebody that preserves us. It's the Greek word soter. 
comes from the word sozo. Anybody ever hear of sozo? Sozo means to save, but it also means to heal. It means to preserve. It means to make whole. It means to deliver. It's that all-encompassing word that Jesus does. The most important aspect of it is that he came to save his people from their sin. That if you've sinned, it's an affront to God. The Bible says we've all sinned. Because of your sin, you can't have a relationship with God. But who's the gospel for? Me. It's for you. The good news is that even though we all sin, and even though we all deserve death, and even though we all deserve to go to hell that was made for the devil and his cohorts, that God sent his son Jesus one day to be born of a virgin, to be born sinless, that he could be the firstborn of many brethren, that he could live a sinless life, that he could go to the cross one day, take the payment for all of your sin, for all the sin of mankind, die, make the payment of death, and God said, I accept that payment. I'm going to bring you back from the dead and raise you again. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he did that for you. And anything you need is in him. The gospel's for you. Jesus is for you. Jesus Christ came for you. All right, let's, uh, let's have the worship team. I want to close with a song, Defender, today. We sang it earlier. Because it talks in here about that you have saved me. Jesus came to save you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, not a better time. It's Christmas time. We're celebrating the reason he came. So we're just going to give you a few minutes. We're not going to take a long time. But we're just going to I want you to stand up. I'm going to pray. And if you need to receive Jesus today, I want you to come forward. I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to know that God hears your prayers. I want you to know that you are highly favored. I want you to know that what's going to take place in you is greater than anything you can ever see. And I want you to know that this is all for you. Jesus is what makes all this work. Father God, I just thank you today. I thank you for Jesus so much. We love Jesus. We love you, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray for the one that's here today that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray that today they would surrender. That they say, I want to be made new. I want to be washed clean. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That's you. I'm going to give you a few minutes to respond. You go before I know That you've even gone to win my war You come back with the head of my enemy You come back and you call it my victory Oh 
Sunday, we'll have our Christmas service. We're going to take communion on Christmas uh, at our Christmas service next week, too. So we'll let you know that we'll take communion next week. It's going to be a really special service. We have the kids with us, too. So looking forward to that. Uh, let me
let me just pray and bless you. Father God, we just, uh, we bless your people today. Father, I pray that in the busyness of this week, that the presence of your Holy Spirit would bring peace that's beyond anything we even can, can fathom. Lord, let the peace of God rest on each home and each family. Father, may they experience your love and your grace.